What is going on, everybody? You are listening to the Playing On Podcast. My name is Carl Markowski, and thank you for joining me. This episode is brought to you by H2K Paintball. If you go to our website, h2kpaintball.com, you will see we have a few new things up there. We have new color tank tools, um, new colors as in jade, rose, and plum. We also have some new merch with uh, shirts, beanies, hats. Uh, We have a lanyard up there. You can snatch your tank tool up onto so you don't lose that thing. And then most of all, we have the new Fenner LV2 from... uh, that you know, Planet Eclipse has teamed up with us again to uh, to bring out to the world. I'm excited about the about the graphic. I think it's awesome. I think it's uh, something that we've been looking forward to doing with Planet for a long time now, and uh, finally came to fruition. So if you are looking to get one, head over to h2kpaintball.com. You can find them over there. We still have a few left, and meander at the other stuff we have out there. I mean, I'm. Uh, a little bias with H2K, but, but uh, we appreciate the support and we, you know, we try and help out who we can and give back to the community. And um, yeah, it's just cool to see the the support that we get also from the from the players and from uh, different companies who want to work with us. And it's very very much appreciated. So again, if you guys are looking to snag up one of those Fenery LV2s, H2KPaintball.com, it'll be there on the main page. We have also teamed up with a little company called Lumi Labs. And there's two things to this company. One, I enjoy their products. And two, they're running a little program called Endless Paint Club. And they're going to have all kinds of stuff. They're going to have um, some giveaways. They're going to have some trips. They're going to have some clinics. but most of all, what they're what they're wanting to do is eventually lighten the financial load that comes with playing this expensive sport that we all love to do. Um, initially, to kick things off, what they're going to do is the first 300 tournament players to sign up, you're going to get uh, $200 in the form of store credit for the next six months for their products. And this is just going to be phase one, which is going to be getting you to experience the products and uh, see what you think about them. And then there will be phases after that to actually start getting money into your bank account. It's it's great. I'm not an expert on it, but you can go to EndlessPaintClub.com to kind of see what they're trying to do. Uh, but it's it's really cool how they're going to kind of integrate players and helping them out and and getting them going as far as products go uh they are a gummy company i personally like the microdose that uh that they have it brings me a little bit of everything that i need it gives me a little bit of a high but then also on top of that it um calms me down it uh i use it also as like a pain reliever and it has helped out in so many ways and uh, I really truly enjoy it. I mean, they have the uh, the microdose berry. It's like a multi-berry with um, strawberries, blueberries. It's it's delicious. But I that has been my go-to for creativity, like I said, for pain relief and uh, and all that jazz. But you will get $200 in store credit when you sign up. It's only for the first 300 though. And like I said, it's endlesspaintclub.com. 
www.thepodcastmusicgroup.com. So make sure you check it out. There will be way more information over there on the website. And uh, if you seem intrigued, check it out. They're going to have more info as the time goes by and as the phases roll out. But you need to sign up. They're only taking the first 300 players. Oh, what you do need, basic contact information, an APPA number showing that you've played in the last two, uh, I'm sorry, in the last year, at least two events, and uh, the love for the game. So make sure to check it out. All right. This episode today is with a couple that I've heard about, that I've seen, that have played together, that have um, rose to the top, have been in the spotlight, have had their ups and downs on the paintball field, and are just a genuinely happy, just a happy bunch of people. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm whenever I see them, and whenever somebody talks to the, uh, talks about, them, they always have something nice to say. Um, Jen and Chaz Falk. I've heard so much about them. I finally was able to sit down and talk to them about their their journey coming up, their direction on where they're going, uh, what it's like to play with your significant other uh, and have those crazy field moments of you know of learn of learning curve and then on top of that making mistakes and learning from each other and, and, and teaching the game and the ways to go about it and, and I really got a new understanding of uh, enjoyment for the game and, and what this sport can do as far as uh, bringing people together. It was, it's a great story, and I really think that you guys are going to enjoy it. So enough of my blabbering, and <laughs> and uh, it's been a while. I mean, it's I've, I've been really trying to get back into doing the podcast and everything, and, and here we are. We're finally here, so I'm, I'm not talking anymore. Let's get into the episode. Here you go. Here is Jen and Chaz Falk. Enjoy. All right, I think we're good. I think we're going. Wow, this is great. I uh, this is my first podcast. How are you guys doing? <laughs> doing doing well. Glad we're your first guest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Glad to help you get this show started. You know oh, what I mean? Oh my gosh, dude! I am so handicapped when it comes to this stuff. Uh, but anyway, so I again for like what is this like the fourth time? I said thank you guys for coming on the show, but also um, one of the one of the biggest and main reasons why I wanted to have you guys on was because not only do both of you play paintball, not only do both of you play competitive paintball, not only do both of you, uh, both of you are great paintball players, but you are also a couple at the same time and still like making this whole thing work. And I think it's just a cool dynamic that you guys have because we all know relationships can get chaotic and I can't even imagine being and playing paintball like and being upset (laughs) at my partner or something like that. And then, but, but also I can, I can see how it can correlate into like better teamwork and better communication and like all those things. And I would just kind of love to hear your guys aside on, on how that dynamic works and how you've guys have made it work not to get into deep into your relationship or anything right. but it's just a cool <laughs> dynamic and it's, I'd, I'd love to hear about it for sure for sure uh, you want us to go right into it yeah yeah 
What do you guys want to do? Starting off heavy. Yeah. How do you want to start? Um, I mean, it's a blessing <laughs> and a curse. It's it's awesome to play with with your person, with your best friend, with your partner. But at the same time, I mean, like you know, uh, we we fight all the time at the paintball field. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, and, and so we, we, we share a lot of wonderful moments and we share a lot of moments where I'm like, gosh, I, am I still doing this with her? Or is this? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure any, any couple can relate to that. Yeah, there's yeah. probably people that have been around us at the paintball field that are like hearing us yell at each other that are probably like, there's no way this is real. Like yeah. this is that these two are actually doing this because we've had some pretty gnarly uh, moments. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I haven't even been playing that long. And I think that was that's actually one of the reasons that I feel like I got to where I was at in the short amount of time that I did as a player was just because, you know, like when I started playing, Chaz had been playing for long before I ever even started playing. And uh, he kind of wasn't afraid to be honest with me. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of people don't necessarily have that with their partner in it, other things, much less in paintball, where they can just say, like, he would be like, what are you doing? Like, don't ever do that again. Fix right. this. Like, he's not someone to sh sugarcoat things. and. It's one of those things that makes things hard, made things hard in the moment, and still, do, you know, still does that today. But um, I think that was, you know, one of the reasons that, you know, now we're playing on the same team, and you know, we're playing essentially at the same level with, um, with Underground. And uh, not to say that we are at the same level. He still has years more experience than I do on on field. But um, you know, I think that that dynamic and trust between the two of us is really what allowed me to get to where I am. And kind of a short amount, shorter amount, shorter amount of time. So yeah. yeah, it's fun looking across the field and seeing her. She plays the Dorito side one and I typically play the snake side one. Yeah. And so we'll like, you know, we'll look over and be like, all right, she's, she's pretty good ways up the field. <laughs> yeah. We're doing well, or yeah. oh no, she's not there. <laughs> now, uh, did you, and did Jen, did you innately have a attacker position persona with you or did Chaz, did he help you kind of build that i mean i guess essentially what i'm asking is were you a little timid in the beginning i as we all are but from a position standpoint did you know that you wanted to play front right away um i think from just so whenever i kind of first started playing paintball just to add in a little bit of context i met chaz in 2008 and he was playing back then and i was around paintball for a good amount of years just as a spectator and as a photographer so i was on the field in the net oh, really? kind of getting the vibe but i didn't play back then but i got to watch paintball for so long so um i think getting to watch it and obviously watch chaz, watching chaz play front um, I was never necessarily drawn to playing front snake, which is what Chaz plays, but I definitely, after being around it for so long and watching him play for so long, um, in addition to being an athlete my entire life, I think the athletic nature of playing the one is what kind of drew me to it initially. Um, mm. I think I was drawn to the Dorito side just because it was opposite of what Chaz was doing in some ways, um, but still allowed you to be athletic and be able to make the, you know, the quick moves. And um, I definitely had the instinct to want to run off the break, you know, how the thing, you know, goes when you're starting out. But oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I would say it was, I think it was an instinctual thing, but I would say primarily coming from kind of an athletic standpoint, which is something I still pride myself in today is even though I just turned 30, I'm like getting older and I'm like, okay, how much longer can my knees handle these slides but um but yeah i still very much enjoy playing the one for sure yeah it's it's a it's a fun position and um i've always said at least that it's when i can't physically play the one anymore like i just don't know if i can even play paintball because i just 
I have all those instincts that will be like, hey, make a hey, hey, the timing, hey, the stuff, go, go. And if I can't do that, I just don't know if it'll be fun for me because it's never really been fun for me uh, just shooting a bunch of paint or like holding a lane or I mean, I'm sure this is a bunch of my ADHD talking, but I, I just I, I'm not good at that. I'm, I'm good at making the other team change their game plan up because of something I'm doing or, or something that the, my biggest contribution is, is really, uh, you know, my speed and everything else that kind of comes in uh, to play. Uh, but it's it's never been kind of one of those twos or threes or anything like that. So it, that's been the fun part, the challenging part for me. Uh, and, and that's what I really enjoy. Um, and it's cool that you come from an athletic background. Is it the same for you, Chaz? Did you come from an, an athletic background? I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm not athletic, but, man, it, I was playing basketball in, like, middle school, and the next thing you know, I was playing paintball. So it's always just – it's always been paintball <laughs> for me. <laughs> um, yeah. And so that's where the athleticism – I'm not a big dude, so I think I think being small put me up front and then put me in the snake, and I yeah. just have always been there. Um, yeah. 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 I, I, for some reason still get picked to go to the snake, even though I don't want to. And people know yeah. this and they're still like, Hey, yeah, go to the snake. I'm like, yeah, let's do we not have like a guys who will play the snake are becoming dude. a bit of a commodity. Yeah. Um, I wish it would more be like younger people coming in and like, Hey, you should play the snake. You can, you can do this too. Cause like you said, you guys, you're both 30 years old. I'm 32. Yeah. yeah 32. 30. Yep. You guys are babies, man. I feel no, I'm 37. I don't, I don't feel like a baby so I, anymore. <laughs> it's rough, man. I mean, it's it's more or less like what I've been having, uh, at least have been noticing playing um, is just the recovery time. The recovery time is I don't I don't have a problem. Of course, like in my head before I play, uh, I always like, man, well, what if like my tendon snaps or something like that. Cause you just, you, you uh, think about like, you know, all the cuts and stuff that you do Dorito side or snake side, you think of all the cutting and the, you know, the contorting of your knees that you do as you play the game, especially as a fun player. And you're like, man, I remember there was a specific time, uh, that really scared me. It was when Kirill, uh, severed his Achilles. Yeah. And that freaked me out because it was just like, he's not, I mean, you don't really see Kirill kind of like, going super crazy you know Fedorov moves or anything like that and i'm like he's not doing like crazy shit like i like to do and he and he did that like I, what is there in store for me and but you know just like any athlete that you guys know you kind of got to put that stuff on the back burner burner and just uh and just kind of move forward with whatever your job is yeah for sure and i think stretching is a huge what at least for me was a huge part of it even though like because i really didn't start playing until i was 20 six right at 26 and so really i mean even from 26 to 30 i can tell a difference and i think a lot of it has to do with like the stretching and also just like the general mobility um you know preparing mm -hmm. your, your body for that um for sure and i will say as a front rated player i do think that front snake is the most physically demanding on the body so kudos to you guys for that yeah it's you don't have to give me kudos because i try to play doritos all the time i'm trying to get out of there <laughs> and just play doritos i tell everybody i'm like dude let me be on my feet I just yeah. let me be on my feet and nimble and like <laughs> nobody listens. For sure. <laughs> For sure. You have to have a lot of faith as a front snake. I learned is just, and that's why I think it's so important, you know, to find a team that you trust because a lot of times when you're, and I mean, this is your domain, not mine, but I feel like as a front snake player, you really are reliant on 
your support in a lot of ways. Uh, not only just like physically like shooting paint, but like the communication and, you know, the information. Well, being so. in the dirt and, 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 and having bunkers in between you and your players with the intel and just the communication. Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's, it's harder to get in and out of the snakes sometimes these days with how crazy the snakes are getting. But mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you were talking about twos and threes and, and having like a, a natural pension to be the one. I found that I think the thing that drives people to be ones is the desire to go after players. And I think the thing that desires people to be twos and threes sometimes is the desire for other players to fall into their traps. Mm-hmm. And so sure. as, as twos and threes, you, I think you're doing a lot of waiting on players to come into, come into your domain. Mm-hmm. Whereas once you're trying to go into the other player's domain mm-hmm. and, and outsmart them and outflank them. And I think it's just those, those tendencies for people's, kind of mind where where they are where they end up as ones twos or threes on the field maybe yeah i always correlate uh paintball especially you know x-ball i always correlate that as like very much like hockey there's it's this like um offense defense like whatever guys are out there they both play they play both sides of the ice right and then at any given time you're playing offense or defense so and you think of a back player He's playing offense if he's controlling his corner or if he's controlling his tape, right? And he's playing defense if he's like maybe uh, getting shot in. He's look, but he's looking inside, and then he's now he's playing offense because he's. It, it's like it's a weird. Paintball yeah. is such this weird kind of give and take uh, sport to where you know you give people a little bit to maybe take a little bit more after the gunfight or like especially as front players. You know, I'm always in the take mode. I I <laughs> will. I will make them think that I'm giving them something, but then I'm actually I'm actually taking. <laughs> I try to like trick them and take it, and and uh, it's just like the weird little mind games that front players play. Which I'm sure back players have your own mind games too and stuff that you yeah. do. I'm just speaking from my experience. Um, but it's you know we were talking about how you know, the snake players are few and far between, and how we've kind of come to uh, really need a influx of snake players and things like that. I think a very important thing, especially with the Chicago layout that we just played, uh, was just occupying the snake itself. Just not necessarily going in and doing a bunch of damage, but if you can just occupy a certain spot in the snake and be able to play the game without getting shot right away or going crazy and just to be able to occupy it and assess situations is is huge and not be and not freak out and really kind of lose track of the game itself because i feel like there's a lot of people who and i saw it a lot in chicago where they would get in right away not necessarily find the tempo of Mm -hmm. the player Mm -hmm. in front of them or the the back player who they're fighting against and they'll just try and bump right away or they'll you know and they'll get shot easily it's like it's this weird kind of like tug of war where you kind of find your timing and all this stuff and obviously it's a little i feel like it's a little easier to find timing now with like ramping guns and stuff but it was a little more difficult um back then when when people had a little bit more unorthodox rhythm because you're shooting semi-auto but um but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think the d- dynamic of the game has definitely changed, especially with the way that the layouts have been. Uh, what I would like to see change is maybe some smaller bunkers in the middle, like with those bricks. I feel like they're making it to where people who don't necessarily, 
I don't want to say I don't want to feel like I'm shitting on people, but hey, like, <laughs> but like this is a safe space. Say well, it. Well, they're they're making it to where I feel like people can make certain spots that really shouldn't be making spots. And I I will say this, Jason Trozen, I'm talking to you, <laughs> dude. Please give me a layout without a back center. Give me a layout without a back center to where we can get the back guys where they have to run and shoot to these spots. They can't just turn and shoot. This is also just coming from a front guy of like, hey, I'm always having to run. You should make these back guys run to their spots every once in a while. But that's just a selfish thing. Um, but what would you guys like to see out of layouts? I mean, because, you know, we're always dealing with the same bunkers. We're always dealing with a snake side, a Dorito side. We did have this kind of little mix up. What was it last year? Or maybe the year before, where it was like this weird kind of mirrored thing that was played. I can't. I don't even remember what it was, but it looked interesting. Um, but what, what would you guys like to see in like a field um, as far as like construction? Or do you guys like a more traditional snake? Do you like something a little more staggered, a little more segmented? What, what do you guys think? And on the Dorito side as well. I mean, I have an opinion. You want to go first? Yeah, or you definitely go first. She's got <laughs> yeah, so just like a little fun fact. I am, of the two of us, and I think this goes back to what you were talking about, just how do, how do we make things work in, the, in terms of both of us. We have very, very different personalities and different approaches on everything. I'm very much a analytical, detailed, oriented person, and Chaz is the opposite of that. Not that you're not detail-oriented, mm. but we just <laughs> definitely are very different the way we approach things, and so mm. I am very analytical, very critical. And so I, of course, think about these things all the time. What could we change? What could we, what could we do differently? Um, personally, I think there are too many bunkers. Um, whenever they changed the, um, the tall cakes to like the mini bricks and added the mini wedges, I kind of was hoping that they would take out some of the large wedges, uh, big mm -hmm. wings, you know, just because I think it's getting to be a little bit crowded. Um, so I think it's, I don't even think it's necessarily a matter of, you know, ladder snakes or not or whatever, but I do think that there are, we are having a tendency to have layouts where the number of bunkers allows for a little too much hide and seek. So I found mm -hmm. that, you know, it's if people are able to make a bunch of small moves that become large moves because of the um, forest of bunkers, the whether it's, yeah, bunkers. the density, it's, I feel right. like it's, it becomes a little too, um, uh, you don't, you're not as reliant on fundamental skills of like gunfighting or even as a front player, like, you know, you, you wrap and go and like the difficulty of that versus just being able to kind of like run around without much difficulty. I feel like I'm rambling now, but I would just say less bunkers. That's my first request. It's yeah. just maybe every layout, we don't use all of the bunkers, right? So each one, we might not use them all. So like, you know, you can still have the full bunker kit, but you know, maybe a little less bunkers, but, um, I feel like with less bunkers, the format needs to change a little bit, though, in, okay. in some ways. Because I think if you think about X-Ball back in the day, 2008-ish, people would, people would be more risky on the break. Mm -hmm. You'd see people running and gunning to corners. And you still see that, but you don't see it as consistently, I don't think. And I think the reason is, is because like in the current format, if you take those risks and they don't pay off for you, then you're in a hole that you have to dig out of. And digging out of that hole in the current for format is, is a lot more difficult than maybe it was back then because there was more time yeah. and more points could be scored. Um, and so now I think maybe the density of the bunkers matches the, the time that we have to play in. Yeah, and whereas maybe there's like a format change that might come with the yeah. less bunkers. I'm, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. I have the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I, it's my answer to that. I don't know if... Um, but a while back, I, w- I had this kind of brainstorming, like, well, because we... Well, one thing, I, I, I tried to... I tried to start a, a league called the NPL, and mm-hmm. I had a few guys with me. Uh, yeah, we we tried. We were just... It was more of a conceptual thing where we were just trying... Different concepts, see what would work. I, I'm always a big fan of semi-auto. Always a big fan of just four pods. Um, uh, that's also a front guy thing. But uh, I had this idea called the Advantage Bunker. And the Advantage Bunker was it would be a separate bunker in the field. So you know how the, you have the spot insurance bunker? So mm-hmm. let's just say that that is the Advantage Bunker, right? Make it Make it a logoed, labeled... Uh, advertised bunker, but you put it in the position maybe on the 40 or so of the opposite team, but it, there, there would be one on either side, right? So each side of the field has an advantage bunker. The purpose of the advantage bunker would be like, let's say you have an aggressive player. Let's say a team isn't necessarily doing well, but you have a guy on the Doritos or in the snake or in the middle, depending on where the advantage bunker is, who's really good at just getting to a certain spot, right? So if he gets to this advantage bunker, which is always going to be on the opposite side of the field, on the other team's uh, side of the field, if he gets into that spot and he lives in that spot for 10 seconds, whatever the timer is or however you do it, that's a point scored, point ended. So essentially, like, it would be something to where, let's say a team goes up 3-2, or let's uh, 3-1. Let's just call it 3-1, right? So, I and, and what tends to happen in these situations is you got teams like, uh, maybe not Tampa Bay Damage anymore. They're, they've been pretty aggressive lately. But maybe you just have a team that just likes to, okay, we're up by two points. Cross it up. This is what we're going to do. Okay, great. You can cross it up all you want, but I'm still going to make it to that spot. I make it to that spot. I get in there. I live for 10 seconds. Now we're within one. So you kind of have this little like it's another way to score a point without having to hit the buzzer. And there's a little bit more action. There's now another focus on the field because it's uh, an advertised bunker or whatever. But then there's also another way to score. There's and now you have to kind of defend you. You as the team that's maybe crossed up. If I let you get into that thing, I either have to go get you or I have to shoot you or you're going to score a point on us, especially in the sense if we're down by a point and you score that and we're tied up now. So it makes it that much more of like I have to get up and I can't just sit there now. I have to physically actually do something because of that. Now you can now there's with that. It's like, let's say it's a one on three. Right. And there's one guy left in the corner. I can't go to his advantage bunker and just score the point, right? Mm-hmm. It has to be, the bodies have to be within one or two or, or whatever the, the dynamic would be. Um, and then there would be a countdown clock on the scoreboard. And then you, you, you would also be able to see the bodies on the board as well. So with that, which, which to me isn't, I don't think is a big deal. I think they should have dots up on the board with how many bodies are left. I don't think that would change the game drastically. Hell, I think it would be pretty damn cool. To just have five yeah. dots and then they drop off as they, even if the teams can see it. Like, who cares? What does it matter? We're not, we know like kind of what's going on, if anything. So, mm-hmm. but that was, that just, that's kind of my take on maybe if something that could, 
change the game enough to be interesting right. and people to grasp it, but not change it in a, in enough to be like, I just don't understand what's going on. You could be like, hey, if they get to that bunker, they score a point. They have to get him out. They can't. You can either hit the buzzer or you can go to that advantage bunker. And I mean, that's really kind of what it is. And I, I think it would kind of give this cool kind of uh, way of uh, treating aggressive players with, uh, I don't know, with, with being able to score points without having to hit the buzzer or rely on the entire team. Like it also brings in this kind of individual um, uh, seeking, goal seeking or whatever you may call it from a front player where it's like you're good at bumping, getting these spots, but the, your team's not really doing well. But your team still has a shot because you keep making it to this advantage bunker and they can't shoot you out of it. Kind of, a, you know what I mean? So, I thought well, it'd be kind of a cool concept to to try out. I've been rambling a lot, so it's a lot of. Continue. No, I get it. I'm, I get it. No, I think that there's. I mean, I think that there's definitely something that you know needs to change within the next, uh, you know, I don't know, five years or so. But I'm curious if, like, if we actually think something's going to change like relatively soon, like anything. Cause I mean, even, even right. uh, I just, like I was saying, I just got back from Paris. So I was playing the NXL European format. And of course, Nations Cup is two pod limit, which I think is a little extreme, but yeah. we played for the, the NXL Europe event itself all the way, you know, D5 to pro is four pods. So we played the Nations Cup and then we played the regular event and it was four. And I do, do think? think that that is something that I think could be brought to the table to make the game a little bit more dynamic, just from what I was able to see uh, playing it and watching it. Um, and I think that the layouts that they've created for NXO Europe have been um, mindful of the paint limit when they design the layouts. And I think that they've mm -hmm. done a really good job with the European layouts actually. And um, I definitely think that that is something that uh, is valid, um, even if it's not that drastic of a change as something like the advantage bunker. But I'm, I am genuinely curious what, you know, the people who are uh, in more of like the powerful positions, like what if they think that anything even close to either of these things will actually happen within the next, you know, five years. Well, we are so. getting a name change. So that's yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what, it's Major League Paintball? Is that what it's going to yep, be? Yep. yep. I mean, I think the exactly. goggles look a little big on the logo, but it's just me. <laughs> I'm not. I don't know. I just. You know, I think that I think the four pod limit is um was is good not only uh, because going back to kind of what we were talking about in terms of being a front player and being an attacker, um, I do think that because I've been so focused on um, improving as an attacker for the the entirety of my time playing paintball. Mm -hmm. that I haven't obviously gained that much experience playing any other role on the field. And I think that that limits you as a player in terms of you being dynamic. And um, I noticed that when we were over there, uh, you know, it forces people out of their um, like normal roles, especially the back players, of course, because they're used to being able to shoot as many pods as they want. And it kind of make, forces you to be nimble. It forces you to um, be able to uh, kind Adapt. of acknowledge the timing because that was what I kept saying with the team is like, you know, when you see this opportunity, you have to take it versus that might not be something that they're used to. And I think that that was huge in terms of making all of us better um, at the time. Um, so I think that that's not only good for the sport in terms of change, but I think it's good for players as well to be able to become more dynamic in what their, you know, their normal routine is. Um, but yeah. I thought it was good. It's interesting. I don't know how the paint companies feel about it. I think that's a whole other <laughs> yeah, conversation, right. but um, it was fun. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, that's, yeah, that's like nobody cutting their grass anymore, but people still trying to sell lawnmowers. It's like, well, it's yeah. just, you know, we don't use them as much. It's kind of like, but right. paint is what, uh, you know, 
is a, a necessity and they obviously want to shoot as much of it as uh, you know anybody can and it, yeah it's just weird it's I would love to be a fly on the wall on some of these bigger meetings and kind of really see where these people are going to take us and it, it, I there's you know the saying that you know everybody votes with their dollar but it, mm-hmm. it's not like nobody's going to not play tournament mm-hmm. paintball you know what i mean so it's kind of like is it really up to us i mean do, can we really make a change because i feel like we're just really playing whatever platform or layout people have available at right. the highest level kind of thing so i mean I, I thought it was always cool when it was seven man nx ball and it was back and forth and there were like a million tournaments a year and it was like just a bunch of everything it was always fun but we're kind of limited on what we can play and as far as what they do it's it's kind of just really up to them and we're just along for the ride i mean we can always put in their, our input i mean that's why i always i try not to overdo it too much whenever i'm on a podcast or i'm doing a podcast with ideas or with things because i know some people listen <laughs> some yeah. but you never know when you're actually going to be able to get through and break through and somebody listens and goes oh hey this is actually a, a good idea because it's not like i'm going to start on a league anytime soon but it would just be conceptually cool to see some of these things maybe come to life and come to fruition that might be good, might be bad. I mean, you don't know. And and that's what I think, though, is cool about the NXL Europe, though, is they kind of went, you know, let's try the four-pot thing. Let's, I mean, the two-pot thing, like you said, a little extreme. Two pots? Come on. That's, like, a little silly. But, um, but yeah, it's, it is it is uh, definitely a direction I'd like to see as far as, less bunkers on the field. I'm hundred percent for that. Or if they want to keep the same, just let's dial the size down a little bit mm-hmm. on some of the bigger ones, get rid of the little pins. I don't think we need the pins anymore. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, bounce shots are such a huge part say, of the game now, man. I was about to say, yeah. bounce watched, shots. they don't have, to I watched be. TV fit go to, uh, like Dorito one. Dorito one and shoot nine pods at a bounce shot. Before, Into the and, and then it was like, all right, now it's time to play paintball. And that's just like what the sport has become. Um, is 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 you know the the teams at the top have dissected the field to the maximum extent and um you know they know that if they shoot this bounce shot for nine pods worth that the guy has to lay in the dirt and the snake and then like maybe things will start to unfold at that point and i think when you were talking about being a fly on the wall with the powers that be I think their intent in the long run is probably how do we make it viewable for people mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. on TV. And I don't know that that is the way. <laughs> what, the bounce yeah. shots? The bounce shots, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, or, or, or at least the pace of the game with with that in mind. But then, you know, we're contradicting ourselves too because we're, we're talking about like the pace of the game with this much paint mm-hmm. with this dense of a field. So right. like this dense of the True. field, you can move down but the pace is also a little contradicted there by the by the amount of paint that people can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's different in every division for course, sure. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I would love <laughs> yeah. to see paintball big and successful and and in the Olympics like they want it to be and mm-hmm. and so forth. But I, th- th- there's like a pessimist in me that's like, you know what, man? Like, <laughs> we'll see. Maybe one day. Yeah. Um, well, I'm gonna get to the Olympics thing. But before I get to that, I think the the whole bond, bounce shot thing. I think there's there's two resolves to that. I mean, one, I think the I think the um, 
Advantage Bunker would help out with that because while you're mm-hmm. busy shooting this bounce shot, I'm busy going down the field and getting into your Advantage Bunker, and now right. keep shooting it. I don't care. If 10 seconds goes by, I score the point. Whatever. But um, second uh, would be I had it, and I just lost it. Let's go to the Olympics thing. Maybe I'll go back to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the Olympics, I'm, I'm wondering if the Olympics is like are we putting the cart before the horse not that i don't think we should that's that's 100 not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is like is is there a gap that we're missing because i feel like like we're i think the sport is growing but are we is there some other dynamic that like even let's let's go to like the x games right like skateboarding was small it got big it got into the X Games. It was viewed by millions of people um, and then worked its way into the Olympics, right? Mm-hmm. And then paintball, I just feel like, is like it's getting big in its own sense and then it's just trying to jump to the Olympics. I mean, there's obviously been these these tries on TV and these, these things here and there. It's like, I feel like we, we, there's something that we're just missing that we need to like relate with the general public a lot more first before jumping to the Olympics. Maybe the answer is jumping to the Olympics right away. And then the general public would notice at that point. I don't know the answer, but I just feel like we're, we're just, there's something else needed to help Mm -hmm. kind of pump into the game to get it ready for the Olympics. I, I mean, I think, and, and I will be honest, like I think the downfalls to paintball, which is a sport that I love. I, I owe so much to the game. But the down the, the down plays to paintball are one, it's the messiest thing in the world. Right? So anywhere you take it, it's it's a mess. I feel bad for the grass in <laughs> in Paris. Like because it was on yeah. soccer fields and stuff, right? And it's like um, I love I love playing on grass, dude. I it's yeah. like it's beautiful. And then to like to fuck up like really nice grass makes my heart hurt. But um, so you have that. There's a lot that goes into it as far as logistics go, um, meaning it's not just one team or one player. There's there's multiple teams. There's multiple teams playing at the same time. There's referees on the field. There, it's like it's like trying to run an NFL thing or NHL or any major league uh, sport, but you have nets and it's messy and you don't people still really don't know what's going on so it's like there's and you know with the split deck thing too i'm wondering if that needs to change because do we need to have more storytelling in between just two uh teams going at it instead of four teams going at it and you're kind of trying to trying to fit in storylines and documenting all this stuff in between all this i mean do we now go to two teams just going at it for another half hour or 45 minutes or whatever it is um, I, I'm kind of rambling, but I'm, I'm just like trying to figure out, is it, we, we have so many guesses of what the answer is, but we, I feel like nobody really has and, or knows what it's really going to take to kind of take off and, and make the sport grow to where we really all want to see it go. Yeah. I mean, I think that in terms of going back to putting the car before the horse and the next step before even getting to the Olympics, it's it's kind of double-sided because sometimes you look at the Olympics and you see a certain sport in the Olympics and you're like, I have never heard of this in my entire life. 
you know, how does someone get into this? Like, I'm not familiar with this. Um, and then of course you have things like skateboarding, which we are all very familiar with. And I think mm-hmm. that until we're at a place where everywhere that I go, that I tell somebody that I play competitive professional, cause I use the ter- that term sometimes too, in relation to the WNXL. And I say that to people, they have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about. Like not even yeah. an iota of an idea. And so until we can get to where that maybe is less common and we have at least exposed this version of paintball to a larger public somehow, I don't know the answer to that, but I think just like the lack of the awareness of that it's even a thing that beyond, you know, what you see at somebody's birthday party, like anything beyond that in the world of paintball being even a thing is mm-hmm. I think that would absolutely be helpful in terms of kind of like pushing it forward not only to the olympics but just into the public sphere in general um so i don't know how to do that but i think that's a step in the right direction but i can see where i can see the argument of putting you know trying to get to the olympics might be you know a little premature um but i mean i guess you got to be ambitious one way or the other (laughs) yeah 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 i mean i would love to see more uh more huge marketing uh attempts to try and come mm-hmm. in. I mean, I love I love the spot insurance and the goose, uh, whatever it was, goose beer. And I love that. But I would love to see, like, more of that. Obviously, I don't, I don't want to see a paintball field full of, like, every bunker is a different... <laughs> it's a right, different right. But, or, or not. Fuck. Maybe that's kind of what we need to get the sport into where, you know, it's $100,000 for first place in that because, you know, mm-hmm. each can is a beer can of a different company and then it's a Reese's box for the center brick. I mean, who knows? Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that there's, um, it's funny cause you made a really good point about it, how kind of disgusting paintball is because that is very so valid gross. and you don't really think about that. You know, when you think about, I mean, cause I mean, I will say when we're packing up the car to go to the field on the weekends, I always joke about how it must be so nice to be like a basketball player where you take like your <laughs> shoes and a, yep. that's it. And a towel. And I'm like, we're literally like halt. We're taking like 15 trips to the car because we have double of everything. So you have to have two of everything. And then I, I'm one of those people, kind of like you were talking about earlier about gear being messed up or going down. Like I have a backup of everything, of everything, because I'm not that oh, person man. who's not going to have something else ready. So you know, when you're carrying 15 loads of gear into the car just for the two of you to play, I can't imagine, you know, the requirements that it would take to, you know, set up a venue even for the Olympics and even just. Uh, a nation's cup like type thing just like we had in paris like even that alone just for the 15 or so uh countries we had there i mean even just the ask for that is huge in terms of just like you said logistics because of what's required to play the game of paintball for sure man i i ride that risk line i only have one of anything so (laughs) (laughs) the only thing i have multiples of are double a batteries (laughs) yeah Honestly, I'm that person where like everybody on my team has like some item from me that I've had in my gear bag as a backup because everybody has something go down. Um, yeah, I'm that person. So, yep. you know, I'll take one for the team. That's okay. Everybody needs a gen on their team, though. Oh, That's let me tell thing. you what. I'm also the person that like yells at you for not picking up your pods. Ooh, when, we're playing, like, when we're using team pods, go. I'm like, boys, you better get your pods because we need those, you know. Yep. That's why I'll I never that load. It's okay. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If I can, if I can give a little tidbit of advice for some people who are packing their gear bag, because I'm, I'm very much though I have, like a place in my gear bag, for everything, like that, that one when I'm packing my gear bag before an event, so I know that I have everything, and two, 
just so I know that it all fits, like so a certain way of packing it. But to not get your gear bag so nasty on the inside, flip your pants inside out. You'd be mm-hmm. surprised at like how much non-gooey mess. Although it didn't really work too well in Chicago because everything was still soaking wet. Like when I got home, it's hey, still like you're still a step behind. We've got oh trash God. bags, man. We got bags outside of gear bags. We have trash bags. We've got. Uh, she's not kidding. When, when we go so to, leave to go to the field, or even at even at a tournament, I mean, we've got a lot of stuff, and yeah. that is because Mama's preparedness. <laughs> I hey, listen. I got. I have zero tolerance, man. I'm like, I'm someone who cleans my gear every time I play. Even even when you wear a ProFlex, and nobody wants to take that apart to clean it, I'm taking it apart and I'm cleaning it. I there cannot stand it. It's just and that's the dynamic of being a paintball couple. Like you asked about mm-hmm. at the start, is that there, <laughs> there are there are feminine elements, <laughs> okay, and then there are masculine elements, and there are positives and negatives to both. Yep. And I think yeah. you know, definitely on on the team that we that we play on together, we're all a bunch of guys, and so there's there's our guy atmosphere and dynamic and then there's her element that, that fits into that well but also butts heads with that sometimes and it's yes yeah. it's, it's, hey, it's okay i'll be the team um, mom. but she definitely takes care of us in, in many aspects yeah um, she, she takes That's care awesome. of her women's team in a lot of ways too so yep. mm-hmm. yep. there's nothing wrong with work, that. But there's nothing yeah. wrong with that i'm okay with being that person like i said because as long as i'm i mean i mean i'm i'm prepared so if somebody's you know if i'm helping out somebody else in the process that's okay but I'm not going to be unprepared. Let me tell you something. So. There you go. There, but I I will not support somebody who doesn't support themselves. That sure. That's one of my things. It's like, dude, this is the third time in a row you haven't had a loader. Come on now. <laughs> yes. There's a, Come lot on. There's a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, you know and what's then. funny is like my – so I got to where I was like – I. I ended up with three loaders, long story short, because <laughs> I have an issue with just collecting gear and I end up with stuff. And I was in that boat where like one of my teammates on the heroines like didn't have a loader. And I'm like, please just take this loader. Just take it and keep it so it that now I don't have to be in the middle of a game and you say, I need a loader. Just take this one and keep it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. so if that's it's one of those things where it's like I kind of on principle want to be like, will you please buy yourself a new loader? You know, but then it's like, yeah. I know that's not going to happen. So at some point you just say take it or whether it's a visor or whatever, you know, another pet peeve of mine is when people like when when I'm seeing people like before they come off the field, they're like looking on the ground and they're looking for their barrel bag. I'm like, I I am one where I take off my, I take it off my barrel bag and I put it in my pocket. Pocket. And it just yes, stays sir. there I'm the whole it. time. <laughs> hey, team pocket. I'm with you, dude. Because I'm very attached to my barrel sock, and I do not want to lose it. And I don't know what people are thinking putting their barrel sock. That's how it gets stolen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or somebody else picks it up, or it gets misplaced. Like, I have maybe, I can count on one hand throughout the years I've played that I lost my barrel bag. or it, or. But I, hang on. I didn't lose it. I will go find it on the paintball field because I, I will keep barrel bags for like years. And, uh, but I, I have very rarely lost my barrel bag coming out of my pocket. And, uh, yep. but it's just like, just put it, just put it in your pocket and you won't, you won't have to find it or lose it. Or even like, I'll even keep in my, um, in my pocket is like a key, like a, um, an Allen key for, yeah. well, I'll just keep that in there, like in the little zipper part. And then if I need it, mm-hmm. I'll pull it out, I'll put it right back and then that's it. Yep. But yeah, but I just like, recently hey. got these tiny little uh, 
got these tiny little um, pocket micro, like they're little tiny squares and they're like a, a microfiber that's literally like this big. And I've been keeping that in my pocket too. Listen, prepared. Always oh, got a micro will... in your pocket. Except for in Chicago, it was pointless because then it was just yeah. soaked. But. Everything, everything. What I will do, there, there is another little tidbit. I have, so I used to keep my, um, my goggle wipe in my pocket. But what ends up happening is because I'm a sweaty, nasty guy, is that I, and I sweat profusely for no reason at all. My, everything would just get soaking wet in my pants. Like, and it would, I would open up my goggle wipe and it would just, half of it would be wet. And it's just like, oh, mm-hmm. just like smear stuff. What I started to do, and I forget I forget who I saw do it or who told me about it, but thank you, whoever it was. But what I do is like, so on your pack, like you have your main straps, although with the pro DNA packs, there's like 900 straps that you're like putting on. But anyway, but you have like the main straps on your pack and then the two overlapping ones, the one that I have on my right that I overlap my final strap, I put my, my goggle wipe in there. At, okay. Like in the on the far back, and I just and then I close it. It never comes out, and it's always dry because it's like off of my body. Nice. And it, yeah, and it's it's always coming handy. And then when everybody says I need a goggle wipe, I just act like I have no, I didn't hear them or I don't know yep. what's going on because I want to keep my yep. clean for myself. Yep, I, I've been there, dude. I've been there. I've been like I've I've helped you too many times. Yep, I'm, I'm not a selfish team player. Yep, I'm a selfish team player. Hey, I've, I've never identified with something more in my life. I've never identified with someone. Somebody like somebody broke paint in their barrel, and they didn't have like a barrel swab. And somebody was like, Ooh. "Does anybody have a barrel swab?" And I was like, "No, I'm not doing it." I, I was like, "There's one over there. It's there's. I see one over there. It's over there." Yeah. And then somebody one day, somebody at practice. This was a long time ago. Somebody was like, "This situation happened," and somebody was like, "Oh, Jen's got one." And I turn around, and I'm like, "No, you did not. Just call me out and make me <laughs> like give this person my barrel my barrel swab." And of course. It was disgusting, and then I got put it back in my pocket, and now it's covered yep. in paint and useless to me. So, buy, <laughs> exactly. PSA, buy your own barrel socks, or like you said, go on the field and find all the ones that people have left behind, because I have like 10 barrel swabs in my gear bag that people have left behind on the field that are now mine for scenarios like this when I need to yep. give them away. And anybody can have one for $5. Yep. $20. It's $25. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's another thing, too, is like... Um, I, for the longest time, I, I would be very slow at whenever somebody was like, I need a gun. I'm like slowly going over to mine because I don't like, I don't like my gun getting all messed up. And, but now what I've realized though now is I don't even have to do that anymore is because I still use a 6845 tank, yep. which has, I've used that same length setup for the entire my entire career has been a 6845 and for whatever reason oh and a little anecdote with that the reason i use a 6845 which isn't short by the way it's not like a short setup but i had to use a nine a mono 98 with a 6845 and a 16 inch barrel like so i'm like way out like this like mm-hmm. playing with tip and effect so when i actually got a decent setup to where it was like nice and tight I was like, okay, perfect. But then all these guys nowadays, uh, and even some of the guys, most of the guys on my team, they all have these like uh, 88s or like 72s or, or whatever the hell they are. And they're like a longer tank and I, a longer tank with like an, a reg extender and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And I'm like, how are you, how do you hide from anybody with this thing? It's like <laughs> yeah. four feet yeah, long. Yeah. 
Yeah, Jen and I have always used the 6845 just because we're not huge people. But yeah, man, I mean, there there is literally no way that I, I tried a 77 for a little while and it wasn't awful, but there's no way that I could use anything bigger than that. I would be like, it would be up here on my shoulder. You know what I'm saying? So I could get my barrel far enough into a bunker to not get it shot. Um, Yeah. There's like, there's like two major things. It's right. I need, I need the tank like right in the cup of my shoulder. Mm-hmm. for a, like a good anchor and two mm-hmm. i need the back cap of my marker like right here like not not too far away and not like where i'm like scrunching my nose to it but at least yeah. like right here to where i can split that feed neck with my eyes and have like you know a good vision but like you get guys at the, the back of their barrels like right here or the back of their uh, markers like right here I'm like how are you how do you do this how do you handle this but you know, <laughs> magic is mysterious i guess yeah I don't even know how we got to this. With giving somebody your gun and, and worrying about it coming back in one piece. I had a um, a 2006 Dynasty Shocker that was one of the olive ones that like Aftermath super, had. Yes, yeah, it, I think they're like yeah. going for like twelve hundred dollars. Yeah, it was today. super cool. It was like super limited. There wasn't that. Many and I was like, "Yeah, brother, here, use this real quick." <laughs> and he dove on the reg and cracked the reg clean <laughs> off of it. I remember hearing like an explosion while I was in the pits and leaning down. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you knew right away. Anytime I give my gun away these days, I always think to myself a little bit, I'm like, it's going to be okay. You got to look at who's asking. You got to look at who's asking and think to yourself, does this person going to, you know, what position do you play? You know, things like that. You make your, you make your own QR codes and you don't tell them what it is. And anytime you give your marker away, you you like okay, you have to scan your you have to scan this QR code, and that QR code is a waiver for them to use it, and yeah. they are responsible for anything that they use. Yeah. <laughs> yep, we'll be billing you. Yep, for sure, uh, dude. Speaking of that, like, how crazy is it? Like, with at least for me, I mean, again, this is me to talk, but like, with how much headbands and all these old markers and autocockers and all this stuff, like all this retro stuff, just getting like priced way out of control it's like it's so (laughs) insane yeah i think it's just a testament to the community growing like you were talking about i mean there's there's more people now and and therefore those cult groups gather around certain things and and there's the nostalgia for the old and then the love for the new Mm -hmm. i.e hormesis um but i think even the hormesis has kind of stemmed out of nostalgia because i mean with ollie and, and alex and i think just kind of um, you know, the, the, the resurgence of JT, I mean, flex yeah. parts, I, I bought Chaz some clear flex frames in like 2019 for $30. And now I think I just, I didn't sell those ones, but there were some others that were like the same ones that are like going for $200. And it's just like, I, I think it's the same concept of like, um, well, that post you had where it was two frames and like yep. four goggle straps, like 200 for everything. I was like, that'll sell in like two minutes. <laughs> yeah. And, and honestly, insane. but even if you think about it, even like stock straps like stock goggle strap for the jt pro flex that would be in what 2013 when flex you know when it was still a thing i mean hmm. straps would be 20 dollars for a new strap like mm-hmm. a, just a gen- normal nothing fancy and now just a stock new strap i mean not this plain black one but like any strap on the internet it's like mm-hmm. 50 dollars 45.99 for those clears that we got on ebay clear jt flex frames like $35. That's what I was tw- just telling Oh, that was... That was literally what I, I just told him. Strap. <laughs> no, 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 really. That's, that's right. That Welcome to the conversation, chat. It's okay. Yeah, he, he's already thinking about <laughs> his, his uh, 2006 Dynasty Shocker that he yeah. had. Um, <laughs> he's like, oh, man. All right, baby. So yeah. mad. But I think, I, think it, I think I do think it's all stemmed in nostalgia. And, the same, and it kind of goes back to, like, um, 
you know, the same thing as, like, any other culture where it's uh, kind of supply and demand, even, like, sneaker culture or whatever. It's, like, if you've got the the vintage, you know, flex or whatever, it's, like, now that's a, a status thing for some people or whatever. And, um, you know, I think it is supply and demand. So as long as it's people are willing to pay it. Yeah. You know, yeah. So be it. But I, I, I think it is a little bit wild, uh, personally. Well, but I mean, that's, that's part of the appeal to paintball for a lot of people. And I mean, yes, even myself, 100%. I mean, there's, like, a... Uh, a fetishism fetish around gear and stuff and the way, the way you, you look, look in it and, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and the way a gun feels or looks or, or is and so like just like people are into fashion and clothes and like how that makes them feel or, or what that expression is I mean paintball is big in that I don't think any other sport even compares a little bit to the vanity mm-hmm. of paintball um, yeah. absolutely yeah for sure. And so maybe that's a testament to paintball's future success, or maybe it's a testament to its failure too. I mean, just for the, for the calls for, for the amount of money that you have to pay to have all that stuff. Yeah. I don't know. The, yeah. Well, yeah. Cause what I was saying was like, you know, just to, just to play the game is so much, right. Mm-hmm. It's like one, you have to, to just to, the, the gear that's needed just to step on the field. I mean, not needed. I mean, guess in a set, the mechanical stuff that's needed. Yes. Yeah. I mean, has a cost. But then all the other aesthetic shit that you throw on top of it is like you could be, dude, you could be spending so much money. But again, me sounding like an old man, it's like, but you, you know, this could be in anything. I mean, people spend how many, uh, you know, how much money on certain skate shoes or skirt, certain boards or certain trucks or like certain snowboards or whatever it is. I mean, people can go out crazy and wild on all kinds of stuff. It's just, it's just uh, inflation's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> No, that's a whole nother thing for sure. But no, I do think that it's, I think what Chaz was saying is true though, because I'll, I'll never forget like whenever we, so like I said, I was, I grew up playing all the normal sports that you can possibly think of. Um, and whenever I met Chaz and I went to the first event, there were so many little things about paintball that when, when you have such a mindset of like traditional sports and like what's allowed in traditional sports and the limitations of um, even the one thing that stood out to me that I still could not get over was like someone had three digits in their number mm. and like a first name on a, on the back of a jersey, a first name with your last name. Yeah. Like my normal baseball, basketball brain like could not conceive the fact that people were allowed to do things outside of regulation, like things that were normal. So I think that even from the first instinct of an outsider, when you look at paintball and you see the ability to express yourself with the way you wear things that you can't do in and I guess you technically can kind of do that in like things like football. People wear like sleeves and mm-hmm. eye black and stuff. I mean, I you know I guess there's that, but I definitely think paintball does have more of the expression of like skateboarding and other types of like uh, outs- outsider sports. I guess I don't know how to describe she, what I'm saying. But before she played paintball, and but during the time that we were dating in high school, when I was playing, she was playing softball. She's mm-hmm. really good at softball. And she nice. took um, some HK Army decals and put them on her softball helmet, mm-hmm. like just mm-hmm. just inconspicuous enough that she could get away with it oh. and, and, and play with it on there. So, yep. I think you know. So that, so that element of the game, it was definitely that appealing. expressive element of the game was a, a, a an appeal to an outsider. So mm-hmm. yeah. So so let's, going back, uh, going back to that, like let's that beginning. And when you guys first started playing, like, who did you guys watch? What teams did you enjoy watching? Because you guys are from the the East Coast, correct? Like Carolinas? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was actually, I was born in North Carolina. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I was born on, uh, in um, Jacksonville on the Marine base. Yep. Yep. 
Yep. Yep, yep, yep. I'm pretty sure I uh, drank lead in the water there, and <laughs> yeah. something's wrong with me. But that's okay. That's, that's right. <laughs> so um, how did you guys? Uh, how did you guys um, kind of start getting into this, and who influenced you growing up uh, in the sport itself? I mean, we're gonna have very different stories, so you can kick us off. Well, so day one, Russian Legion fan. Just have always loved the team, loved their attitudes, loved to watch the players. Um, back when there was the magazines in Walmart, all the paintball magazines, and I would go in there and just gorge on those. That was that was like the team that I wanted to be like and, and emulate and and kind of follow suit with. But what year that, uh, Russian kind of Legion? Side. Say it again. What what year, year Russian Legion? Um, this would have been two thousand six through two thousand nine and ten. And I mean, I'm okay. still a huge Russian Legion fan. It, it, it'll it, that 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 fire will never burn out with me. Yeah. But um, yeah, so my parents were separated when I was very young, and so I spent a lot of time on the week every other weekend with my dad. And we um, we were all the time doing stuff. Every weekend was like an adventure. We ended up at like an adventure landing, which is like one of those putt putt go kart laser tag arcade places. And, and we did that for a long time for for. About a year we were there like every other weekend, man. And, and we were just slaying people at laser tag. <laughs> it was, it laser was tag like, is the gateway drug to paintball. It, I mean, there it was go. for us. My dad and I was. I mean, like, it, I was either going to be racing go karts or doing something that branched off of laser tag. Which is and also I, fun. You know, yeah. So, you know, maybe in another world, I'm like a professional F1 driver. Who knows? <laughs> oh, man, that would have been a lot more lucrative. It would have. Been. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, but um, so I don't, I can't remember whose decision it was, if it was mine or dad's, but this is when Walmart had a decent amount of paintball stuff in there. This was 2006, um, and we just, we went to a local field called Gotcha Paintball in Raleigh, North Carolina, and we were like rec ball kings for like a year, and then there was a team that formed out of that, and I played like, you know, D six three man in two thousand six, and then in two thousand seven, I ended up on a division three X ball team. This is back when you know it was fifteen BPS. It was CFOA. Oh, yeah. They had the mini X's and the big X's, and so I really cut my teeth during that period. And then we started dating in two thousand eight, yep. and she came around, and my dad and I were like we were full into paintball at that point. Mm-hmm. That was the coolest thing ever. Um, yeah. and yeah, and so she watched, yeah, I, hung out, yeah. took so that, photos. That was back then, and so it was kind of like, I kind of got into like the, the Russian Legion camp. I remember mm-hmm. trying to find, gosh, it was like I was 15 years old over here trying to scour PB Nation for a Russian Legion jersey to get chance for Christmas, <laughs> and I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm trying my best. Uh, I think the first uh, Christmas present I ever bought, Chaz, was like when the I-4s, that die I-4s came out. And so like yeah. it was the brand new lens system and he had just gotten like a rotor and it was like things were changing and I, you know, it's such a good time thinking back and I, was, I just remember being like enamored with it and like as a sport, but I had like zero interest in playing. Like not a single interest in playing. I never whatsoever. thought she would play. I never thought that her personality would fit into paintball. The, the, analy- the, the analytical side of her personality, I thought would would burn her out with paintball. That yeah. she didn't mm-hmm. realize it. 
And I think that, that was wrong. well, so we spent, I spent like three or four years, um, you know, watching Chaz play and, and doing a lot of paintball photography at the time. And then around 2012, Chaz got out of it for college. Um, then I went to college. And so we totally like did not touch paintball, didn't think about it, didn't look at it, didn't like had no idea that like they had switched BPS, like yeah. had no idea anything had happened. Didn't know the wall was there, like. Mm-hmm. Totally off our radar. We and then missed the era. Like we missed the entire like wall era. era. Yeah. And then that's okay. one day, so we got married. And then, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But um, yes, yeah, so we got married. And then uh, Chaz one day was like, I want to play paintball. And I was like, what? Like, what? You know, and so then he bought an old DM-15 or something mm-hmm. and then went out to play. Still had the gun on 12.5 BPS. And everybody at the field was like, um, no, sir, that is not right. So, too uh, fast. Just too yeah. fast. But, and so I think the biggest thing for me was we went to um, World Cup 2018. That was his first event, like, back as a player. And to me, it was just like the game was totally different. Uh, Or not, I mean, not even the game, because I I wasn't that familiar with the game. The atmosphere of paintball as a whole was insanely different from what I remember from 08 to 2012. Like, Mm -hmm. it was not, in terms of, and also I was much older. So at the time, you know, back then I was... 15, 16, 17. Yeah, we were young. So, you know, and it was all it was all men, all, all boys, like early 20s guys. Like, I just did not really, you know, it did not appeal to me at all. And I think, you know, seeing a bit broader of a uh, environment later on in, like, 2018 was very, like, eye-opening for me. And I was like, okay, I think I, uh, I, think I can do this. And I think I've watched it long enough to, um, to do it. And it, it was weird because even before I started playing, you cannot even ask Chaz. Like I, I would literally, Chaz would be playing like video games or something, and I would get my laptop out and go to Go Sports and watch paintball as someone who didn't play paintball. And mm. I think that is such a unique experience because a lot of times people that don't play don't watch paintball or don't understand what's going on. I can't follow. Even my own parents who have been watching me play for a bit now, I still have to kind of like work through some things with them and help them understand what's going on. But as someone, I think it was just my exposure to it for so many years prior and whatever, and just my interest in the sport in general, that I was able to just consume it. And I would just watch, I went back into Go Sports and watched like the entire 2018 season on mm-hmm. Go Sports just for fun. And it's it's a very strange thing when I think about it, but I think that that was kind of like the moment she, where I got into it really She heavy. might collectively know more about professional paintball from a certain point till now than, than anybody. Just like <laughs> dumb, useless information about like who was on what team and what happened yeah. at one event. And I've got like this database in my head uh, of, of pro paintball. And I will say I've kind of, kind of been slacking the last two years because I've been playing a lot more, but like 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, even, I, I would literally during NXL events, if I wasn't at the event, which most of the time I wasn't, I would be sitting at home in front of the TV for the entire day watching the entire event. Didn't miss a match. Hmm. So wow. it's a little odd, but um, probably a little it obsessive, helped. but it was it's good. <laughs> well, it's, how she, it's how she got good quickly. Is, I mean. He's being nice. It was also chess. Chess was a lot of <laughs> I got was able to, you know, get to where I was. And, and, sort of just, and I still, I always say that, but I'm trying to say it humbly. Like, I'm not, you know, I'm just where I'm at. I'm playing D3 with chess. I'm playing with the women, yeah. you know, doing well. It's like. I'm not an expert or anything, but like I think I did grow quickly just because I watched, I consumed so much paintball, and then of course mm-hmm. having, you know, somebody that will be honest with you and understands your potential and like, you know, what you're capable of and being able to just push you to that. I think it was huge, but yeah, yeah. And, and just to cap off your question, Russian Legion all the way, Malloy, Karzlov, I love watching them play, hands down, my favorite players. But it's time to be a little bit fangirl, Carl. Chaz and I 
were at your last match at World Cup 2018 in the stands when you played DMG and you went to their 40 off the break. Listen, <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend. You were definitely one of my favorite players uh, right before you, you, know, you retired. I, you can ask Chaz, the first jersey that I bought was an Aftershock jersey, the retro throwback weapons Aftershock jersey because I thought it was cool. And I remember, obviously, you played on after, uh, Aftershock, and I think it was part of, like, the front player aspect. I was like, this this guy can get it. So uh, Ties back to our first conversation about being a one and being yeah. aggressive. She. Yep, I watched some Carl Markowski on the, on the, uh, the webcast. Don't worry. So I thought you put a ball in there. Definitely, uh, definitely was a fan, for sure. I appreciate that. It's, yeah. I was just, as you guys were talking, I was like, man, they were, like, getting in and out of the sport the complete opposite when I was, like, in and out of the sport. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but it's just weird because I, you don't really playing in the sport as long as I have, and hearing so many people's stories, and then whenever you hear, or I'll even I'll even just say it like when I hear that people like watch me or have watched me or anything like that, it's it's hard sometimes for me to really take in because I mean I know that it's obviously tele- I say televised but obviously it's on the webcast and all this stuff and it it's always hard for me to conceptualize that people have watched me play because you you live life through this kind of first person thing and you're experiencing paintball yourself through your perspective and a lot of the time I forget that anybody's even watching me because when I go on the paintball field and I go I go inside those nets it's nothing else exists Right. I mean, I, every once in a while, I'll get the ambience of just like random, random things like on a sideline or like a like a, a person or a sound or something. But most of the time, I'm like I'm kind of honed in on myself, on my senses, on everything that's happening, the sounds inside the nets. Um, and I forget that like people actually watch and when people tell me that they've watched or they like like the style of play, it's like. It's like, man, I forget that I even people like watch me play or like because I, I enjoy playing so much that um, and people are like, oh, you have this style. And I was like, it's so weird because it's just like, kind of like it's this like flow state that you get into. And you, I, I'm just glad people can relate to it because I feel like I don't have the credentials that a lot of the players who have been playing as, as long as I have have. Uh, I haven't won that many tournaments. I haven't really. I've won some. I haven't obviously won as many as the guys playing now um, anywhere. But it's like it's it's a weird thing because it's like my play style has almost kept me relevant um, mm. to a sense, you know. And it's it's cool that people can watch and relate and enjoy watching too because I I always look at it like inspiring younger players or current players or or anybody out there that it's like you don't have to be in this game you don't have to be like all one thing. Like you can be aggressive and be able to sacrifice your body every once in a while. You don't have to like just be a back player. You don't have to just shoot this lane or do this. Like you can be yourself on the field. You don't have to like try and fit this persona. You know what I mean? You can, you can really kind of be an artist on the field if you want to, if that's your thing, you know? And I, I, I appreciate uh, you guys watching me, uh, fail and do well all at the same time <laughs> no it was a good time it was i remember that that tournament like it was that event was so hot world cup 2018 was like the hottest event ever it seemed like gosh it was yeah. man what a time but it feels, it's hard to believe it's been that long that 20 you know world cup 2018 has been 
it's been so long now gosh five years ago it's insane but yeah yeah I know I feel you though in terms of like being watched I think that's one thing that's been kind of uh interesting for me in the last two years especially since like the WNXL started and just because I mean obviously I play both uh you know with the women and uh which has and the guys and I think I, I have a lot of people that you know, message me or come up to me that know who I am and are familiar with what I do already. And I, I obviously don't know them. And I think that it's just like kind of an odd, uh, and I'm no, you know, Carl Markowski, I'm no Ryan Greenspan. I'm no, I'm not famous, but you know, when you have those people that say, you know, I like your style or you're, you always look so cool when you do X, Y, and Z or whatever, you move so differently or whatever. It's like, it feels weird to know that people actually pay attention to those things when to me, it's just how I play, you know, it's mm-hmm. how I was taught. It's how, what seems right. It's like, it's not, I don't know. It's a very interesting, um, you know, concept for sure. Yeah. And even, even like, um, you know, what you do on the field as far as like superstar moves or anything that you do that like just happens to go your way. It's like, I'm not, I'm not doing that because like, I want people to notice it. I'm just doing it because I see the opportunity happen. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, a. I mean, and Tell me if I'm wrong or if you guys feel a different way, but I think one of the hardest things to teach in paintball is timing. And and on top of that, I don't even know if you can teach timing. It's like it's like you're you're trying to tell somebody or teach somebody to um, see certain colors in a in a certain way. You know, it's like it's like you have to per- teach you how to perceive things, life, the universe, you know, and and feelings and and, and gut instinct. It's, it's hard to like conceptualize that. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the hardest things in paintball to get people to like really lean into is like just listening to yourself on that little voice in your head. It's like, hey, you should move or like, hey, bump, bump now, go now. <laughs> like, but on the first go now, you go instead of like sitting there yeah. waiting. Right. And maybe, oh, no, I'm going to shoot another pod just in case. I don't know. You know, like one of those <laughs> things. What I always told Jen was in timing, like, you, you, you test it in practice or just when you're out playing and it's not in a competitive atmosphere. And if you do it five times and you're successful at it three times, then that's a good instinct that you're building and keep doing that. But if you do it five times and you're unsuccessful four times, then that's a bad instinct. And that's how, that's, that's how you build that, that memory of that, what that is. Like when you get that instinct, listen to it five times and then Feel, feel, feel the odds after you've done it that many times. I think that and also your, the experience that you gain just in longevity. So like the longer you play, the more scenarios you find yourself in yeah, where you, you gain these experiences. And I think that the speed at which your brain can process the information that is provided to you based on what you know and what you're being told and how fast you can put that together to create the field awareness in your mind to determine whether or not your instinct is right and being able to take advantage of your instinct in the moment without debate so that you make that timing, like you you shoot that gap in that Mm -hmm. timing perspective you're talking about. All of that comes from the experience of how many times you've done that in the past. And that is something that in, to this day, in real time right now in my, this is my third full season, about my fourth or fifth year playing that I am still getting right. Like I'm still trying to get that right. And I think that that's something that I'm still struggling with now is making sure that my, I trust my instincts. And I think part of that is being too analytical, uh, just as a person compared to someone who is a little bit more like, you know, trust your instinct initially without everything, mm-hmm. which is more like kind of what Chaz does goes with the flow in the moment. But I think it is hard to teach. I don't think you can teach it. Um, honestly, I, I think that you can try to teach it, but I think it comes with time, unfortunately. And then there's some people that are able to, you know, build those building blocks faster with 
less experience, but you know, I think it's a person to person basis, but time on the field in, in in those scenarios, I think has helped me the most. And that just came from playing every single weekend. So, yeah, Yeah, I, I agree completely. It's like, it's, you know, you take that whole saying of like, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Right. So like I take that as like, I relate that to instincts into like timing into moving because if your body is telling you to do one thing and I'm, I, I mean, you take five, five tries to do it. Like if I do it in one time and I, and it still doesn't work that one time, I still in my head, I'm like, this, this could work. And the only reason I do that <laughs> is because something was telling me something, right? Like paintball is very much for like, if it works, you're the hero. If it doesn't work, it was a bad move. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Through anything. Think of any move that happened. Any move, whether it be Kirill, whether it be Malloy, whether it be Oliver, whether whether it be Marcelo, anybody. Like, look at um, uh, a couple tournaments ago. It was Marcelo made a move through the middle of the field against uh, New York Extreme. Team YX. Yep. One of the I know exactly what yeah. You're about. One of the best moves I've seen. One of the best moves I've seen. But imagine he gets shot because um, uh, Pat Kraft comes over the top and shoots him. Two yeah, steps out of the bunker. Yeah, people would get it a lot faster then it's a bad move, right? At that mm-hmm. at that point, you're like, okay, I kind of see where you're going, but it was bad timing, kind of bad move. But it works out. But that, that's mm-hmm. why I always tell people, like players, other players, experience, but whatever it is, I was like, lean into your instincts. Lean into your instincts. Because if, you, because if you do that, you start to trust yourself more. Now, if you're just blindly going because like somebody told you to go, and it's, it's, like, one of the, it's like, no, it can't be that. It's like, you have to... And, and I don't mean to rant, but like I'm trying to go into these like how kind of I perceive the game and, and how I'm trying to how I like to teach people and how I try and construct my way of going about the game. I look at it as like you have to be able to go out on the field and do something on your own. And if you can't do it on your own, then you ask for help because in certain situations, you're going to have to do things on your own. And you're going to have to be able to control a side of the field on your own. You're going to have to be able to take ground on your own. And if you always rely on somebody else all the time, then you're never going to know your true instincts on how they're going to talk to you. Because if you're always, because in my head, if you're always like, well, I, I, I need help with this, or I need help with this, you're never going to fully understand your abilities and capabilities of being able to control a situation on your own when needed. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, and, and, and I'm not in any way saying that, you know, don't ask for help because obviously there's five other, you know, four other players on the field that uh, some of those players can help you out in certain situations. But as a, as a player coming up and playing on a, a front position, you have to be able to assess a situation on your own and be able to be able to let yourself make a mistake but under the umbrella of knowing that you went truly with your gut and i feel like if you can do that in practice it will prevail on, on the tournament field because it's you're not going blindly you know what i mean and if you and, it, and jen it's like you said if you have all these repetitions that are happening it's it's like all these micro subconscious decisions that you're making which could fall under the five attempts that Chaz you had talked about but are compounding right subconsciously compounding 
And now you're having these decisions of where that are like subconsciously building your confidence of being able to do things and be able to listen to your instincts. And maybe as I'm explaining to this, this is how you build timing or how you like, how you yeah, think yeah, about it's, timing. It's, it's like a muscle, man. It's literally like yeah. a muscle. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's, and you got to work on it that, and with, with the same. You, you have same to. Yeah. And it, sure. um, it, it's just, it's such an interesting sport in that aspect because it is that five on five, but also has that, you know, that offense defense and then also uh you're having to do shit on your own then you're having to have a teammate behind you then you're having to grab a flag it's just there's a lot of variables that happen um what is in the future for you guys as far as like uh teams do you guys plan on moving up a division how is the team doing is there uh what are the aspirations that you guys have i'm sorry as was it underground Mm mm-hmm was, yep. Is that the team? That, what uh, yep, yep. What is the plan for you guys? Do you guys plan on bumping up to D2? So just for some context, we've played three NXLs this year in D3. Uh, we've gotten fourth, third, and second, and we got third last year. Um, so we've been very close to winning a D3, but just come up short, uh, a little bit short each time. So we're, you know, hoping to, uh, we get the bye, um, at cup straight to the quarterfinals because we're sitting third in the series. So that's going to be nice. Cause we'll go into cup with, um, you know, already top eight. So that, that, you know, that makes it a little easier in terms of getting there, but, uh, goal right yeah. now is to win world cup just because we've been trying to win an NXL for the entire year last year too. So I've never won a national event as long as I've played. I've won a lot of regional stuff. I've won some regional championships. I've been on some good teams. But I just – and I don't care what division it's in, man. I just want to win a national event. Uh, we've got our little trophy stack over <laughs> here next to us, and I'd like to put that trophy on the stack. Um, Jen and I created Underground like three years ago. And so, um, oh, you know nice. – we 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 run the team i coach i mm-hmm. play front snake we yeah. kind of co-team captain mm-hmm. we're like mom and dad for the team and so it it there's a lot it, it is it really is a lot and then when 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 it's your team and you've come up with the name and you've come up with the players and you've invited them to play and you've put this much time and effort into it it's different than just playing on a team like everyone always wants to win um when you're playing on newbies, like you want to win, but there's something about owning the team and playing for the team and coaching. There's a lot of there's just there's a lot of striving and the stress mm-hmm. of competition. Now that I'm older and now that I uh, am am doing all wearing all these hats, it's it's just it's not a, it's not a fun stress anymore. It's like a what do I got to do to to win <laughs> to this thing? Yeah. And like I'm very competitive, and so is it is is driving me. But I don't know how much. How much longer I personally have in the driver's seat, at least in the driver's seat of paintball. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, you know, I got a lot of other loves too, man. I, 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 I got a film degree. I love making movies. I love watching movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I want to travel the world, and so like, it's like paintball and these other things. What does that look like? What, yeah. it, what, it, what, it, what do we want to do? Um, yeah. But you know, we'll, we'll see. The, the future is unknown. Is yeah. the best way to put it. <laughs> I mean, one thing. I mean, the only thing I can say that it's like a certain is that you know, paintball is. Uh, we did not expect it to, but it kind of ended up consuming our lives for the last four, probably four years. I'd say like yeah. we've been like very like 
full in. Like we've put a lot of things on hold. We've, we've changed the trajectory of a lot of things in our lives in order to, you know, commit this time and energy and, and efforts into paintball and into underground. Um, so I, I, and we don't regret that. It's just a thing where we've kind of got to figure out what the goal is. Um, but to answer your question, yeah, like all of underground is going to be D2 next year. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out what the plan is exactly what, what the boys are going to do. And, um, yeah, just go from there. So we'll see. Keeps we still driving. got cup and then it's off season. So it's silly season. Yeah. So you never yeah. know. Gosh, I can't you believe it's already the coming. end of the season. I know. It's so insane. It's crazy. It's crazy. Jeez. But, um, yeah, it's a good time. One last question for you guys. Uh, what do you, uh, I'm trying to think of how to actually construct the question. So <clears throat> what do you see is going to grow women's paintball more? Keeping it segregated and growing the WNXL or eventually having co-ed teams? Um, I mean, honestly, the biggest thing for me right now is do I like segregated paintball? Hot take, no, I don't. Um, because I started playing co-ed paintball. Um, I think that I've learned a lot from playing co-ed paintball, but I acknowledge the in the privilege that I had to have, you know, had an instructor and had someone that, um, you know, you're very tight with, uh, that kind of assisted you in that way. Um, but to get to the point where we have more women playing co-ed paintball, we have to get more women playing paintball. And I think right. the start there is getting them to play paintball. And if that requires, you know, more of a community driven perspective that, you know, is more enticing to get girls to continue to play paintball, then I understand the validity and that's why I'm playing the WNXL and that's why I've now made tons of friends in the WNXL and I have absolutely no regrets playing the WNXL, but I still think the key to getting more women playing paintball competitively and growing women in paintball forward in terms of getting more women in higher divisions is going to be co-ed paintball and I think it's just a building block because there are so few women playing paintball and that's not even like Yes, it's growing, and you can still go to an NXL now and see triple, quadruple the amount of women players that you would have seen five years ago, 10 years ago, certainly 15 years ago. Um, but it's still tiny. It's still tiny in comparison. And I think that, um, you know, that's the first step is getting women playing and then slowly kind of growing them into players that are more comfortable and more capable, um, you know, playing co-ed paintball. And, I, and I've said this many times, but I think the key is also to kind of um, – get it in front of girls that uh, would it would appeal to. So like, I, it's tough, because when I was 16, paintball was different than it is now, but I imagine myself as a, as a young player, uh, a young female athlete and in today's world of paintball and seeing it and being like more uh, intrigued than I was at 16, because the game is different. So I think getting it in front of young female athletes, and I'm not saying you have to already be an athlete, but I do think that um, you know that's a key to getting more uh, women playing that uh, might strive in the sport, uh, such as you know myself or some of the other girls that are playing in in D two and, and D three. Um, so small baby steps, but we're getting there. Yeah. But I would like to see women playing co-ed paintball. I one hundred percent would like to see women playing co-ed paintball. Yeah, yeah. I mean that would be that would be sweet. There's definitely, like you said, there's a ton more women at the fields uh, that are not at the beer tent. They are suited up and playing paintball, which is awesome to see. I mean, I, I love seeing uh, so many girls with 
like attitude on the field. They're not just there to like to look good. They're there to like kick ass, and that's mm-hmm. I, I love seeing that. There's a lot of uh, you know a lot of ambition um, in a lot of those women too. That that's awesome to see, and you know it's it's so tough. It's such a it's it's such a weird like dynamic right like I, I always try and like see like what, what what is the barrier what is that barrier because you have obviously it's like paintball is one of those sports where you don't have to be the quickest you don't have to be the most agile you can you can go in there even as a guy or a girl whatever it may be you can go in there and you can still hold your own because you're you know you have a paintball marker right you can still play the game but then you still have to have some kind of agility, which I don't know. It's so, it's so weird. It's like, cause you can, you can have somebody all suited up and still go like, okay, well that's a girl. You know what I mean? Like, or, and you can look at somebody maybe roughly the same size and go, okay, well that's a guy. And like, is it just muscle structure? Is it like bone density? Like, what is it? But it's like, when I watch you guys play each other, it's like, there's definitely still like, you guys are still giving it your all. So it's like, mm-hmm. it's still you know fun to watch. So I'm wondering where, when that kind of wall is going to be able to be broke down and blurred and be able to, uh, it's just, it's, it's tough because I'm seeing it from my perspective, right? I have no idea what it's like coming from, you know, from your side and probably some of the frust. it's like got to be half and half. You got to be halfway frustrated with it being 2023 and where you guys are at, but you also have to be extremely excited with it being 2023 and with where you guys are at. You know right. what I mean? With having your own no, league and all sure. this stuff. And it's just like, so it's like, it's just you know, more attention, more eyeballs on the sport in general, along with the WNXL. But um, I guess in retrospect, it's awesome to see that side of it start to grow. And that's, you know, another reason why I wanted you, wanted you both on here too, is just getting everybody's side. And, and it, it's, it's so cool to see. And I'm, I'm so fortunate that your guys' story is what it is because it's 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 an amazing story and I love seeing and and hearing stories like this and um and thank you guys so much for doing this I really do appreciate yeah, it thank you man yeah, of course hey I'm I'm always open to talking paintball so I'm yeah. not I'm not turning down a podcast that's for sure that was a blessing <laughs> and uh it's it's funny because just to back to that point it's like just even in if you would have told me at World Cup 2018 when we were sitting in the stands oh, cheering funny. on Carl for his last uh last pro game that you know in about five world cups from now i'd be on his podcast talking about paintball and you know trying to be a um you know supporter and getting more women involved and like where we've been from then to now is just insane so it makes me hopeful uh you know that in five more years um that is five years 19 20, 20, 20, 20. okay i had to make sure i was doing my math kind of right but um <laughs> it seems like in forever. Five more years right that we'll be even further along uh than we are now and i mean that's the only thing that kind of keeps me motivated to, to keep you know trying to push for women in paintball is just hoping that within five to ten years when i'm 40 that there's there's double the amount that of women that are playing in general and or maybe even more than double um and then uh more couples playing because it's it's awesome yeah. uh, you know but, um, it's not for the week so you better come prepared to play with your spouse it's a it's a good time but um yeah it's it's an adventure man and we're in it we're in it for sure that's awesome well i wish you guys yeah. the best of luck the rest of the season meaning world cup uh we're in the same boat we're <laughs> right. i think i'm pretty sure going straight to quarters because we're i think we're like sitting third right now so yep. we have that whole yeah. weird thing going on but 
I wish you guys best of luck. I hope you do well. Um, and I'll see you guys there. And I'm, I'm a big proponent of the WNXL and everything. So I'm trying okay. to get more involved in it and see what I can do to help out and to help uh, push it. Obviously, this is just a tiny little step in that direction. But, um, Absolutely. But, yeah, it's great seeing you guys. And good luck. And uh, I'll see you guys at World Cup. Yeah, All right. Good luck to it, you. Brother. No worries. See ya. Take care, you too. Bye. Thank you again so much, Chaz and Jen, for coming on the show and uh, spilling the beans about everything. And uh, it was it was really, really inspiring to hear you guys' story. And uh, I had a great time. And thank you so much for letting everybody hear your story. Thank you again to H2K Paintball. If you are in the market for a new marker, we do have the new Fenner LV2 that is up and ready to go. Uh, Just check it out, h2kpaintball.com. We also have a bunch of new merch up there along with some new colors of the tank tool. So check it out. Also, big shout out to endlesspaintclub.com. If you want some free stuff, some free gummies, that's what I said, free gummies, check them out. If you sign up, you will get three, I'm sorry, you will get $200 in free store credit for the next six months. My go-to, again, is the microdose. I like it a lot. It's delicious. I enjoy it, but they have all kinds of different products over there that you can try out. You'll get $200 a month for six months. Try it out. See what you think. They will have the different phases as they roll out that is all set up to give back to the paintball community. So make sure you check them out. Endlesspaintclub.com along with uh, lumigummies.com. All right, everybody. I appreciate you sticking around until the very end. It's so much appreciated. I'll see you guys here on the next one. Please do not text and drive. And we'll see you again here soon on the Playing On Podcast. Peace.